Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. Making your way towards 9 o'clock, you're with SAFM, John Infosungezo, it's The Viewpoint. Uh, there's a naughty word that's been used by Dean Howick uh, talking about uh, the police. I'm going to I'm gonna translate it if you don't mind, D. It's called laziness, re-police behavior. Nothing new, says Dean Howick. But let's go on to our next chat. On the 16th of August, we mark the 8th anniversary of the Marikana Massacre. Another year without justice for the mine workers and their families. Lack of prosecutions of those responsible. Failure of the government to release the report by the panel of experts on policing and crowd management that was completed in 2018 and we got an sms here saying john you're pointing the police the real culprit is ramaposa can he hand over that stick from the meeting the day before the 16th police only did the orders let's find out more with zama kumalu senior attorney socio-economic rights institute zama thanks very much for joining us are we pointing fingers at the right place saying the police did wrong thank you very much for having us um yes I think you are pointing the fingers at the right people. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we cannot say that um, those at the top can be excluded because at the end of the day, we can't say that um, people didn't make decisions when they were on the ground um, on the 13th and on the 16th. So it is, it's everybody who was involved on that day who should be held responsible. And that's why the prosecution of the policemen who pulled the trigger um, are also are, are are so important, and um, as well as the generals, as well as everybody who was mm. responsible. Those people should face um, should see themselves in front of a judge. Okay, let's go. Let, I want to know more about this this report. Tell us about the report that hasn't been released. Well, that's in essence the issue is that it has not been released um, today. Um, as part of our webinar, uh, we had. Um, Adele Kirsten, who um, was part or an ex-member of um, the panelists. And this report actually came um, about as one of the recommendations from the Fallum Commission. And they were uh, tasked with investigating different aspects, such as um, um, the use of live ammunition in crowd control, um, the uh, police, how police should conduct themselves, um, in instances of protest, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So a number of recommendations came from the panel, which they couldn't f- uh, fully disclose because the report is not out. Mm. But it's it's quite common, even in international law, how um, live ammunition and how even the international bodies say uh, crowd control should be managed by the police. And definitely, um, even the idea of what we call less lethal lip, uh, weapons. Um, how those should be used, because even they themselves can still cause damage. Um, as we know, people have been injured from rubber bullets, they've been isu- injured from tear gas. So um, it's, it speaks around those, amongst other issues as well. Um, but we still don't have sight of it, and, and that's particularly uh, a great issue, uh, because it stems from the recommendations that came from um, the report. You're an attorney, but surely we know what's in that report. Somebody must have told you. But is is there anything you can do about it? Um, You know, uh, we can we can do a pire what is called a pire request, and we can do what we are doing now is doing a lot of media and advocacy to put pressure on the state to just release the report without even having to go through a formal court process because that has its own obligations, um, financial and everything else. But you would think that. Um, 
the state cognizant of the environment that we're currently living in and as the previous speakers uh, were talking about, the tension between uh, communities and police, that this would be something that's quite a priority. Um, If it was given in 2018, we're currently uh, in 2020, we don't, it hasn't been sent back to say, okay, we'll work on these aspects. It's just, there's nothing happening. Okay, uh, I want to know what has happened. Nine police officers prosecuted for the deaths of three striking mine workers, two police officers. That's in the days leading up to August the 16th. Of those involved on the, the, the horrendous visuals that we saw on television live, what has happened to those police officers and anybody that gave those orders? So it's still before the courts. Um, they've been, uh, just before, it was a hearing that was supposed to happen during this time uh, of the lockdown, but the matter had to be obviously post, uh, postponed um, because of the COVID. But uh, they've gone to court. Uh, several people have given evidence, uh, police people, per, uh, persons from IPID, on what happened uh, leading, up to, leading up to that day. What is actually quite important as well is that we do also have General Mbembe, um, in the uh, accused as an accused, it's a big legal team uh, because everybody at the end is trying to say it wasn't me. Uh, I should not be the one who must be held accountable. What you were saying earlier on, including policemen who were on the ground who pulled the trigger. Um, so we've got everybody. We've got the people who are making the decisions, sitting there as accused, and then we've got people who actually pulled the trigger sitting sitting there as accused. And obviously what's frustrating for these families is that it's taking so long. And these are only people who are uh, related to the incidents that happened actually today on the 13th. We have absolutely nobody sitting in, uh, in the... Um, anybody accused mm. who, took, who participated in the incidents of the 16th, which is very, very scary. And the problem there is that you've got this tug of war between IPID and the NPA. We don't know where, what, where, where, what the problem is. One says, well, we need a reconstruction of the scene so that we know um, who was, where it was. IPID says they don't have money for that, but to reconstruct that scene. So now what must we do? Because we need to know what happened on the 16th and we need to know who's responsible. Conspiracy theorists love this kind of situation. They can make up, they can make up as many stories as they like. <laughs> At what point does that affect your job as an attorney that's trying to prosecute people where the, the, the fiction is bigger than the fact? Well, we have to... Okay, we're not prosecuting, by the way. It's, that's the NPA. What we're trying to do is to assist the families. What we do as series, what we call a watch and brief. We go and attend the hearings with the right. family and explain whatever's going on and communicate with NPA and IP, like, okay, what's going on? What's going on? What's mm. going on? And give them what they need. But at the end of the day, this is precisely the issue is that it's sitting with the NPA. They have to make, uh, they have to make the first step. A lot is sitting well, with the NPA, though. Let's, uh, let's uh, face it. Amongst other things. <laughs> And today we're just talking about that. Uh, a week from now, we'll talk about something else. Yes, yes. To the NPA and IPID. So you've got a department. Let's if we speak about IPID, you've got a department that has its own internal issues and its own management. And now we all have to task this particular department and make sure that it is responsible uh, for overseeing such an important. Um, I don't want to call it a project, but such an important. Um, 
yeah, a potent task Process, which could bring yeah, yeah. so much relief to so many people. And, and this is what was highlighted today by the um, by the children uh, of uh, of those who died that they they just don't know. And, and they, live, they have to live with that. Yeah. And hopefully change the way the police work, because that's what our first interview and this interview are very much related. It's, it's the aggressiveness, it's the militarization of the police. America's going through this very thing as well. Their militarization of the police is, is completely out of control. We're completely out of control, it seems, as well. And nobody seems to want to change it. Is that what you're finding? The, the political will is not there. It's, it's that is hundred percent, and we see it not only in these particular spaces. Uh, earlier on, they spoke about GBV, and here we're talking about uh, in terms of protest. But we also see it in different spaces in how evictions are conducted mm, in mm. South Africa. We always respond with violence. So if you have a state that is telling us, as the lady said um, earlier on, um, that uh, the doctor that don't. In the intimate spaces, we should not respond with violence in our homes. But yet, when you respond to your citizens, you respond with violence. How then does somebody sitting at home understand or process that? If the state responds to um, to to its citizens with exercising their rights with violence, how then do we uh, say that there shouldn't be violence at home? It just does not make sense. Well, Zama, keep on watching and keep on pushing. Thanks very much for doing that. It's uh, a pleasure. And thanks for joining us as well. Zama Kumala, Senior Attorney, Socioeconomic Rights Institute. 16th of August, it'll be eight years since the Marikana Massacre.